This is the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Call 1-877-669-1292. And my name is Howie Silberger. Welcome to the Howie Silberger Show. Right here on the True Talk Radio Network. So happy to be with you. We will be alive until 9 p.m. That's right, live until 9. And you could um, you could call in. Number to call, 1-877-669-1292. That's 1-877-669-1292. We, uh, we talk a lot about doing good and being nice to each other. And doing the right thing. But how many of us actually go about doing the right thing? That is the uh, that is the question I have for you tonight. How many of us actually go out of our way to help out somebody who really needs the help? How many of us take time out of our busy lives to help somebody else? To do a good deed? How much time do you spend a week? How much time do you spend a week helping other people? How much effort do you put in every day or every week or every month to help out somebody who's a little more needy than you are? Somebody who's a little sicker than you are? Somebody who needs that little helping hand. Do you spend your time doing that? When you walk down the street and you see a beggar, do you just walk by? Do you just ignore the person? Or do you take something out of your pocket and put it into their hands? Or do you go even better, better than taking it out of your pocket and putting money into their hands? Do you go and buy them something to eat? Bring them a jacket during a cold winter night. Bring them a blanket. Bring them some hot cocoa. Or do you just ignore them and continue walking? Forgetting that they're human too. Many people just walk by them and look at them as if they're not human. Many people just walk by these people and pretend that they don't exist. Now, I'm not talking about the scammers that stand in the middle of the street and they all look the same, holding the same, holding the same sign, pretending to be beggars. I'm talking about the real people, the people who really need the help. How many times have you gone to a soup kitchen and volunteered your time at a soup kitchen to help make food for the less fortunate? How many times have you gone to a food bank and donated your time or donated your food for people who are less fortunate than you? I'm willing to wager that the majority of people who are listening to my voice right now, and I'm willing to wager this, have at one point or another done 
everything. They've they've gone. They've helped. They've 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 outstretched their hands. I have faith in people, and I have faith in the listeners of the Howie Silberger show because over the years, I've been promoting this kind of thing for years and years and years and years. So I have faith in my listenership. I have faith that the people who listen to this show are good-hearted, good-natured people who go out and help, who go out and try to, 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 be, to be helpful, to try to help the people who are less fortunate than they are. Now, I may be wrong, but I, but I, like, to, I like to believe that the people who come back week after week, day after day, to listen to this show, people who don't mind putting up with my special brand of morality, my religious, my religious bent on things, that people who come to listen to this show are the good people, the good people of the world who like to be helpful, who like and feel it's their obligation to step up and help somebody when they're down. Not to kick them when they're down, but to step up and help them when they're down. I've always been the kind of person, and uh, it's, it's, it's been in my nature, to not kick people when they're down. Many people tell me, Howie, that means that you're not ambitious, that, that you don't believe in stepping up and, and, and stepping up to the, uh, to the challenge of corporate America. Of being successful in a dog-eat-dog world. Howie, that's why you're not on commercial radio, they say. That's why you're on private internet radio. Because you, Howie, are not an ambitious fellow. That's what they tell me. And that's that's not the truth. The the truth the truth is that uh, that I am I am not on commercial radio. Because I am, I am not interested in the lack of morality that's exhibited on internet radio, on, on regular commercial radio. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in pushing morality. I'm interested in pushing, helping other people. I'm interested in talking to an audience that has compassion, that has heart, and that wants people to be, that wants, that wants to help, that wants to go the extra mile. That's what I want to do. And that's why I'm talking here on the... That's why I have the show, and that's why I do internet radio, not commercial radio. I was on commercial radio for 12 years. I hated the morality of commercial radio. I hated... I'm sorry. I didn't hate the morality. I hated the lack of morality of commercial radio. I hated the lack... Uh, I'll, I'll give you a little example. I, I hosted... Um, I hosted a bowling... I had a, a bowling team. The, the radio station's bowling team. And the purpose of the bowling team was simply to raise money for charity. And over time, they, they made an ad, and we played an ad. We, we challenged corporate uh, sponsors to come and to challenge, and to challenge the bowling team. <clears throat> and we would, um, and we would uh, donate all the money to charity. And so a lot of the operators who choose which commercials go, which promos play, played this promo for, uh, for our charity bowling team. The station came to me one day and said, Howie, they're playing it too much, so we're not playing it at all anymore. Who cares how much money you're raising for charity? It's starting to sound like we're a bowling radio station. Really? 
Really? Who cares how much we raise for charity? I care. I donated my time to people else. The other people on the team donated their time. Who cares? We should all care. We should all go out and do the right thing. I can't imagine being a parent and having a sick child. I can't imagine it. I'm not a parent, but I can't imagine being a parent and having a sick child. I can't imagine being a parent, having a sick child, and having to pay thousands and thousands of dollars for a life-saving medical equipment when the government says that they're not going to cover it. That, to me, is outrageous. That's why I welcome Michaela Etienne onto the show. Because here's a mother who is fighting. Who is fighting for the government to cover. Fighting the government to cover a, a, a potentially life-saving piece of equipment that her daughter needs. And the government has said no so far. And it's, it's outrageous. Michaela, welcome to the program. Hi, good evening, Howie. And thank you for having me on your show. Uh, your your story outrages me only because I know you almost my whole life and almost your whole life, and and the story just outrages me. It would have outraged me if I didn't know you at all because it's an outrageous story. Yeah, you know, there's uh, those sad kind of stories usually happen to other people, right? I I uh, I went into life thinking, uh, God, you can send me anything to me, right? I'll take anything. Strip me away, my dignity, my pride. I, I'm fine with it. But my kids, my kids are supposed to be free, right? Yeah. You don't, you don't harm kids. You don't harm kids. So, my daughter, when she was three years old, was uh, diagnosed with type one diabetes. It's an autoimmune disease. So even the genetic test that we went through for TSACs, it would never have showed up. So I thought I, uh, you know, I thought uh, I, I thought we were invincible, uh, but it struck our family, it struck my child, um, and it uh, it changed our lives. And now you're right. I am. Uh, I'm fighting the system. It's an uphill battle. I, I know because uh, we fought the system too. When my father got sick and he had a he had a rare disease, the government didn't let us bring in uh, life saving uh, life saving medication too. So I understand yeah. the fight that you're that you're having. I understand the frustration that you're feeling. I, I, I could really empathize with you because I've been there. I, I, I've actually I've actually done this. Yeah. So um, we are. Our stories are a little bit the same in the sense that uh, thanks to the Internet and thanks to Google and Dr. Google and thanks to families who live abroad and friends who live abroad, we have access to information, right? Yes. Uh, but not the general population. And So Health Canada, in our case, approved the technology. For your late father, may his neshama have an aliyah. Uh, Health Canada didn't approve exactly. uh, the life-saving drug. So this technology is available in Canada, but every province um, is the one that decides uh, what will be covered under provincial public health plan, and this technology is not. Wow. So taxpayers basically are the ones paying for uh, acute complications and long-term complications, chronic, and type 1 diabetes we know what it's all about. It's not we're do, we're not dealing with an orphan disease. We know the complications of uncontrolled blood sugars. We know the complications of of DKA of, of severe hypoglycemia. You know, we know what it does to the body, and it's not good. Exactly, it attacks your organs. It uh, it attacks your organs, and eventually, it it could potentially kill you. Which is nerves, eyes, kidneys. Yeah. We're not we're not even talking about the the loss of productivity and. And the turmoil that it does on your 
or your, you know, right. on your psychology. But um, this this device, what is it? What is it? We're, we're talking about a five thousand dollars piece of technology. It's a chip. It stays on the body for ten days, and every five minutes measures your blood sugar. So the old system, right, believes that diabetes you can control it. Takes five blood tests a day and take your insulin, four shots a day, and it will be under control. False. It doesn't exist. It's humanly impossible. It's like you're taking with your camera four pictures a day, right? You've got the best piece of equipment there, you know, your car that's worth $500,000, yet you're going to leave it, you know, unattended with five shots a day? No. You want a 24-hour surveillance of your 500,000 piece of equipment car, right? Right. So this device, every five minutes, takes your blood sugar, is able to predict extreme modes, is able to send off alarms, right? Because you've got a smoke detector in your home, and you've got uh, you've got a seatbelt in your car, right? Yes. So we, we're dealing with people, adults and children, who have life-threatening chronic disease, a vital organ, the pancreas, that's no longer working. They rely on life-sustaining insulin, but no, they can't have technology that sends out alarm when they are in dangerous, fatal zones. I mean, it's insane. Think about it. It is insane. It's absolutely insane. So my daughter's symptom unaware. She doesn't show her symptoms. She doesn't feel them. But also people who do feel their symptoms, they can't react. It affects their cognitive uh, skills, right? Right. So if somebody who's in a hypoglycemia they might be driving a car, they're not going to feel it. But this technology could actually send to your loved one information on your blood sugars. Hey, Howie, pull over the car. I see you're going down really fast. All right. You've been drinking your juice. You're waiting 15 minutes. You're fine. Right. It's an amazing technology. So so how can we get this into the hands of Canadians without having to pay thousands of dollars? Yeah, so... What is mind-boggling is the medical team didn't tell me about this technology. They knew I had a two-year-old that was extremely labile. Um, 1.7 blood sugars, not even feeling it, still dancing the storm. I was waking up every 45 minutes to take a blood sugar that night. I was up to 30 finger blood tests a day. And, and, and I have to, have to uh, a day. And, 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 and Mikhail, before you even continue, you have to you have to understand that that even the strips to take the blood tests cost a fortune. <laughs> they're, they're, absolutely, they're, they're fortune. They're like seventy five cents a piece. I mean, absolutely, they're, they're absolutely. It's crazy. Absolutely. So where did I hear about this? Uh, family and friends, New York and Israel. In Israel, this technology is free. It's a no brainer, right? Yeah. Uh, in New York, in, in the states. This technology, insurance companies are paying for it. Why are insurance companies paying for it? Because they don't want to pay for the hospital bills, right? But who pays for the hospital bills here in Quebec, in Ontario, in BC, in, in Canada? Taxpayers, right? right? Of course. Insurance companies get away with it, and we're stuck paying for the, the bill. And in Israel, what's happening? In Israel, they believe in pikuach nefesh. You know, you save one life, you save the world. Yeah. Right? Always. Yeah. You save one life, you save the world. One life is the world, yes. So I, my daughter will have this technology, no matter what. No matter what, Howie. It's hurting us. But I, as a mom, cannot stomach that other families don't even know about it. 
because of the price. Right. Because their team, the doctors and the nurses and everybody else around them is not going to talk about to them about it because it's so expensive, right? Because patients are profiled by their doctor, right? Yeah. What do you do for a living? Do you have insurance? Uh-huh. They're profiled. So the people, poor will not hear about it. Well, a lot of people just can't afford it. Even if they heard about it, they couldn't afford it. They couldn't afford it. But those who can't afford it, who are profiled as such, they're not going to be told about it. Just not only. So they're the ones who end up on a stretcher and a coma for a few days, hmm. kidney failure, bone fractures, loss of eyesight, yeah. cardiac problems. I mean, this is not exaggerated. The, the research is all there and everybody knows about it. So um, I made a, phone, a whole bunch of phone calls. It lasted for over two years. I called everybody to let them know about this. And um, at one point, David Birnbaum, our m and yeah. my writing, said, you know what? Come up with a petition. I'll bring it to the National Assembly. We'll register it. I'll present it to the National Assembly. And it took a lot of work. And uh, I drafted a French version, an English version. And he took the petition, um, and it's been open for almost three months. The petition is going to close on September 21st. Well, it's only a few days uh, from now. It's a few days from now. Um, we, have, uh, we have it up on our website. We have a little modest, humble website, www.diakids.ca, dia, kids, K-I-D-S.ca, diakids.ca, so you can... Click on that link, and it'll bring you straight to the online petition. Anybody can sign anywhere. There's no location restrictions. There's no age limit. Um, and this technology is pikuach nefesh. So, We're touching it. So that means uh, that everybody listening has to go to diakids.ca, D-I-A-K-I-D-S.ca. Go there right now. Click on diakids.ca and, uh, and sign the petition. That's yeah. To do. Um, yeah. No. No. There's. 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 There's no doubt that everybody's involved in this. You know, in my daughter's hospital, there was one diagnosis per week. They're up to four diagnoses per week now. Well, That's what happens with chronic illnesses, right? With with autoimmune disease, it's it's on the rise, right? So if it can happen to my family, it can happen to anybody's family. Michael, how many how many signatures do you need in order to uh, to make this viable? Okay. So so. Let's talk truth here. Um, This petition covers the whole entire province of Quebec. Type 1 diabetes is not on the radar. Uh, It just represents 10% of the total cases of diabetes, right? So we're not not a population, we're not a community that is listened to. We're pretty much ignored. Um, Our tally list of things to do is very, very long, but... I put this one on the forefront, okay? I'm putting continuous glucose monitor on the forefront because people don't understand what the disease is. It's uncontrolled blood sugars. And once we know about this, then other things will trickle on because I'm always told, you know, what about insulin pumps? Adults are not covered for insulin pumps, right? Right. They're not covered because there was a report a few years ago that said, there was no research saying that it was doing that much of a difference for the adult population, which is insane, right? Yeah. So I really believe, Howie, we start with this. 
So, we start with the continuous so glucose is, monitor. So this is only the we beginning for you. Is that what you're saying? This is only the beginning. So once we get this, then we move on to the next thing. Once we get this, once we get this, we're going to also attract um, big pharmas to come. Amazing. We're going to open the market and make it competitive because we cannot have a monopoly here. There's a product on the market right now that sometimes is compared but is not. You know, there's, there's only two products that are continuous glucose monitors, gives out blood readings every five minutes, right? We can't have a monopoly. So when we have a monopoly, we, we're, we're in trouble in the farmers. Yeah. And um, this, this, the numbers of signatures, it's, what does it mean? It means public interest and public support. So the more the better. So yeah, I need, yeah. I, my daughter needs your listeners. Like she needs it. She's growing up with a really bad chronic disease. Nobody wants it. How we, she told me today, she doesn't want diabetes anymore. I'm sure she doesn't. She ripped, yeah. she, she ripped, up, she ripped up her own insulin pump. Wow. She's only four and a half. Right. So yes, we need signatures. We need signatures for my daughter. We need signatures for teenagers, for, 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 for people who are seniors who have it, who are burnt. We, we need support. Michaela, thank you so much for sharing your story today. And I hope and I, I encourage everybody to go to diakids, D-I-A-K-I-D-S dot C-A and, uh, and uh, sign the petition. You have till the 21st. So that's just a few days. You have six days left. Go ahead, sign the petition. Let's get this done. Michaela, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Appreciate it. Have a good night, Howie. Thank you, you so much. Thank you. All right, we turn our attention now to Mr. Sheldon Eric Fried. He's my long-suffering producer here on the show. Hi, Sheldon. Hi, Sheldon. Whoa, whoa, what's going on there, Sheldon? All right, so I don't know what's happening with Sheldon. Sheldon? Sheldon Eric Fried. Hi, Sheldon. Sheldon? Sheldon. All right, Sheldon's not there. Why is Sheldon not there? Sheldon, are you there? Sheldon is not there. All right, I got to tell you that next week we will be uh, we'll be talking to Mr. Um, Mr. Dennis Prager. Will be on the show. Uh, he's t- speaking in Montreal next week, and um, and he will be on the show. He will be on the show next week. Uh, next week's show will be pre-recorded. Uh, I cannot be here next week, so next week's show will be pre-recorded. And uh, Dennis Prager will be my guest uh, next week. And that uh, that is uh, that is coming up in in exactly one week from tonight. How about that? And then after the holidays, we will be we will be going on for three nights a week. All right, let's go back to Sheldon. Sheldon Eric Fried. Hi, welcome to the program, Sheldon. Why can I not hear Sheldon? Sheldon. It is uh, extremely strange that I cannot hear Sheldon at the moment. Hello. Oh, there is Sheldon. There we go. You see, if I push the button, I might be able to hear you, Sheldon. Ah, uh, you see? How's it going? I am good. I, I'm sitting here going, why can't I hear Sheldon? Sheldon, Sheldon, yes, Sheldon. Yes, yes. How you and, doing? How are and, and things? Then, then I see I see the light is flashing, but I, I didn't push the button. You see? There you go. Ah, uh, okay. All right. <sighs> I'll, we'll forgive you this one. Yeah, well, what can we do? <laughs> uh, Sheldon is back. I want to wish Sheldon a Mazel Tov. He, uh, his son got married, so Mazel Tov, Sheldon. Thank you so much. It's been a lot, really, a really interesting couple of weeks, and it was a beautiful, beautiful wedding. And also last Sunday, I was invited for brunch at my sister's and wound up at dinner in Ottawa. Amazing. 
So uh, we didn't get back till a little later than we expected, but it was a very, very nice uh, day. But you know what? I can tell you something. Her house was struck by a tornado wow. in Ottawa last year. And it was the first time I was there in, in quite a few years, but it was the first time I've seen the area. And even though most of the area is fairly cleaned up from the tornado, um, my sister's husband was showing me remnants of the uh, tornado and some of the power lines that were still down around the area. Yeah. And it was very scary. And there was a house that was completely destroyed, literally around the corner from where they lived. That sounds extremely scary. And, I would not like that. it's. It's so scary. And literally, the tornado, the way the way the route was, it was the uh, a house a couple of ones away was not destroyed. Their house was lucky because what happened was my sister was in the kitchen. She sees a tornado coming. She goes down in the basement. And with not even 15 to 30 seconds, Howie, all the windows in the kitchen were completely blown out. Wow. So it, it, uh, it was the same one that went over. Well, it was the, it was a series of six tornadoes, not that the six tornadoes hit her house, but one of the tornadoes did. It was an EF. Uh, it was an EF uh, storm. EF storm two, and the meteorologist um, uh, definition, and uh, the one that was EF three dis- practically destroyed the entire town of Dunrobin, a little bit away from Ottawa, going towards the valley. And there was another one that was also close to EF three that hit Gatineau. So I saw for the first time that particular area. I've been in Ottawa several times before that, but the city wasn't really affected as much as the outlying areas. Right. And I went into her area and I was really frightened. Like the, um, the church roof across the near, near where they live, the roof was, was the church was, was the church roof was completely gone. The far, the pharmacy, the uh, sign was gone, but the pharmacy itself was intact as long as well as the glass windows And this is what I all heard. And you know, you would think, Howie, that this would be somewhere in the Midwest, like Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas. You would see that. You would never think in Ottawa. And I lived there for two years, and I never had this kind of a problem. But but uh, it was it was just a horrific thing. And going into the house, they were back in that house for about three or four months, and they were basically getting everything back to normal. Sounds but when you see it, when you see it, you know, it doesn't do justice until you actually see the the area and the widespread effects it had in that whole community. Sounds really scary. Yeah, it was really frightening. Uh, I mean, the house is pretty much, uh, it's about 85 to 90% or 95% practically all finished. Right. But uh, they had to... They had. They were in a hotel for about a month or two months, and then they were in a a townhouse for about seven months. And they just came back, I think, within about two months ago, back in where back home. That's crazy. Yeah, it was really, really, really something. So it was. She wanted to put something. My sister wanted to put something, something on, and she was there since 1976. She's been in Ottawa for many, many years. That's a very long and, time. Yeah. Yeah, and it was uh, so it was really nice to come back. And I lived in Ottawa for a couple of years, so Ottawa was like my second home. And it's really, you know, it was really nice to go back there. So you know, it was a very nice uh, like last Sunday was, uh, and and I was basically talking to my sister and her husband about the whole thing, and it just it really it really sent me shivers up and down my spine. 
And another thing too, on a separate thing, you know, when the nine eleven just came, uh, you know, just came past last week, and I don't know if I told you the story, whether or not it was on or off the air. I didn't mention this at all. I was actually in the Twin to- Towers exactly a week before it hit. Really, I was there for Labor Day weekend, mm-hmm. and it hit on, obviously on September the eleventh. And I remember right. everything about those towers. I remember I was on the observation deck, and I was. You know, when I see these videos, and I haven't been in New York to see the Freedom Tower, I'm going, probably going to go probably in the spring uh, with my significant other. We're going to go to New York and because uh, she wants to take me there, and I'd, li- I'd like to go and, and, and just be in that area. And it, it was really something that it just moved me to, like, to tears every time that time of the year you know, comes about. And I was working at, I was working at our former employer yeah. when the planes hit. Right. And I and I just remember the entire week and it's not like you can actually get away from it. You're you know, you're there and we were having breaking news for the entire week. And I remember at the end of the day on Friday when when I finished my sh- when I finished and ready to go home for the day. My uh one of my bosses or my my supervisor actually called me a cab because I was like crying bawling like a baby because everything got to me at the same time. And you, you, you know, you could, and you know, you were sleeping with it, you were working with it, and it was, it was, it just, you know, it really affected me so bad. It was incredible. I remember I was working at the uh, suburban newspaper at the time. We didn't have televisions in the newsroom, and uh, there was no way for us to get to for us to get to a television. It was a Tuesday, which means that the paper came out on Wednesday. So Tuesdays, the paper's already done already. Mm-hmm. And we ripped down the paper. Jim Duff was my uh, editor at the time. We ripped down. Oh, yeah. We ripped out the paper. We rewrote the entire paper. I think we were the first paper to come out in North America, which was entirely dedicated to 9/11 coverage. And wow. uh, that was exciting. I mean, that's that's an exciting part of being in the newsroom. Um, yeah. And we didn't have technology because the the internet was down uh, because it's all you know it was overloaded. Um, after 9/11, the uh, all the major websites were down, and like CNN, Fox News, they were all gone. Uh, and, um, you know, you were, you were just basically scrounging around. One of the uh, reporters in the newsroom had a uh, had an uncle who worked on Wall Street, and he happened to be just across the street from the uh, Twin Towers. So he oh was my. giving us a, uh, a, a live coverage, basically as a, a minute-by-minute coverage over the phone until he had to evacuate his building. And, uh, yeah, it was really a scary time. I remember, I remember my cousin worked about a, f- a few blocks away from the World Trade Center, and his office was facing the window of the towers. So he saw the whole thing. He was in his office when it happened. He saw the planes hit, and he saw people jumping out. He saw, first of all, all the, the papers that were coming out from the building from all the office towers. And he also saw people jumping out of the building. Wow. And it was, it, at one point, the, uh, the entire lobby of the building that he was working out of was the windows were completely smashed. They had to evacuate the building. His wife couldn't get in touch with him because his wife worked on the island and he worked in he worked in, in uh, Manhattan. Right. And uh, when she got to work, she wasn't even aware of what happened. And when she got to work and everybody was looking at her and they were and they were saying, uh, you know, they were looking at her and she was looking at them and and she saw like they were looking at her really strange. And she was wondering what was going on. And she said, you don't. And they said to her, you don't know. And she said, well, no, what? I just got into work. 
They said the the uh, the plane hit the World Trade Center tower. The two the two planes hit the World Trade Center tower, and he went, "Oh my!" She went, "Oh my God!" And she's trying to get in touch with her husband. Obviously, the cell service was down because the main point of cellular coverage in Midtown Manhattan happened to have been on one the of the World buildings. World Trade Center, yeah. So it came down, and obviously there goes 90, 85 to ninety percent of the cell phone coverage in in Lower Midtown in Manhattan, and it was you know she couldn't get in touch with him. She he tried to call her. Of course, there were no phones either. Right. So so we we uh, we actually interviewed him on on my past on our past employer at about ten eleven o'clock at night when he finally was managed to get home because half the subways were down in in New York because the subways weren't going. So he had to go on overcrowded buses, on, and he had to meet buses away from the area because it was all cordoned off with the police and and, and you know and, and uh, first responders and everything. So he had to go way out of his uh, way. He had to cross over the Brooklyn Bridge to go on the other side for him to get home. Wow! So it took him three. It took him about three to four hours to get home. That is uh, that is terrible. Really yeah. So we interviewed him and he's a he's a big dude, this guy boy, but like he was scared like you know what? And he he just like uh usually nothing bothers him at all, but obviously who who this would bother anybody, anybody in the right mind that has a conscience. And he got home and he was so shaken up and his boss told everybody that worked in that building that they were ordered from anybody caught going into the building for whatever reason would be fired. Wow. Until they got at least psychological counseling. Well, yeah, you would need it after an event like that for sure. Yeah, and I remember going into going into his office a week before, so I saw the window. I saw the way it looked over at the World Trade Center towers, going in going in those buildings, and it just absolutely, uh, you know, I just can't imagine anybody in their right, like their families and the people that. Uh, Worked there and, and and look I, and when I went up to the observation point it was over the it was like I think the hundred and first or hundred and tenth floor hmm. of the building. Yeah, well, one hundred and ten was the top of the building, so yeah. Yeah, so it was I think just under one hundred eighth or one hundred ninth or something. Right. But it was it was just uh, it was incredible, and every time September eleventh comes by, I just have this horrific. Uh, it's just like every hair is standing up on end. Like, uh, you know, it, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it was, a, it was a tough time. I've watched a lot of documentaries on it. I mean, I lived oh, yeah. through it, and I watched a lot of documentaries on it. And it, it's just amazing how uh, the intelligence services dropped a ball, and everybody dropped a ball in 9-11. It's, yeah. it's, uh, and the conspiracy yeah. stuff. You don't even know what to believe and what not to believe anymore. There's so much conspiracy going out of there, uh, going on there. I mean, I've, I was watching some stuff on YouTube and watching different documentary entries, and they were one of the things I actually just watched just a few minutes before going to air here was how could a building that was supposed to survive a 707 plane attack can easily just go down like that? Okay, so uh, there was another documentary that explained the um, they explained it using the guys who designed the building. They had yeah, a perfectly Robertson, I think, was one of his one of the designers or something. They had a perfectly reasonable explanation as the way the floors were structured, and when okay. the, when one floor collapsed and all the floors collapsed, uh, that was the way the floors are. And yeah. they were saying about the stairways, and they were saying yeah. about a, that the stairways were too close together. Yeah, there was a, there were a lot of building flaws. The builders of the building, after the building collapsed, uh, you know, reexamined the blueprints and said if they had to build it again today, they would build it totally different. It was. Uh, oh. 
At the time when they built in the 70s, that was the latest technology. But today, um, today would be very, very different. Have you been down to the Freedom Tower? Have you been down to New York in that area? Or I haven't, you haven't been to New York in a long time. Yeah. Um, Sh- Sheldon, next week, we are pre-recording the show because uh, I have to be somewhere next week. Uh, but we are going to, I'm going to be interviewing uh, Dennis Prager. Now, you know Dennis Prager from PragerU? I'm sure you've seen the PragerU videos pop up on Facebook. Uh, yeah, 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 okay. Uh, he is coming to speak in Montreal. He'll be speaking on Wednesday, September 25th at the, oh, Chab- wonderful. At the Chabad Zichron Kedoshim. That's on Westbury Avenue. Uh, okay. Tickets are not expensive. For adults, it's uh, $25 if you pre-order and $30 at the door. For students, okay. it's only $20 uh, if you pre-order and $25 at the door. Uh, there are sponsorship opportunities. Donations are tax deductible. And if you want to reserve a sponsor, you want to you want to go to the event, and I I encourage you to go to the event. It's a good fundraiser for the uh, for the Chabad Seminary of Canada and for the Chabad Zichron Hadoshim. And also, uh, he's extremely extremely interesting interesting speaker, and somebody you should uh, it, you know it's like almost a once in a lifetime opportunity to go and hear uh, an interesting speaker like this. Uh, if you want to buy tickets, the uh, the email the email address the web address is. Uh, bit.ly slash Dennis Prager MTL. It's quite easy. Bit.ly slash Dennis Prager dot Dennis Prager MTL. It's a nice and easy uh, website. You could go. You could buy your tickets there. It is. Uh, it is. Uh, it is an event that you want to go to. And Dennis Prager will be my special guest for about a half hour of next week's program. So uh, wonderful. It, it is. Uh, it is actually going to be an honor and a privilege to speak to Dennis Prager. He's the founder of Prager University. If you don't know what that is, go to www.prageru.com. He is a uh, he's a lecturer. He is a syndicated talk show host, a best-selling author, and he's been around for uh, for many many years. Uh, Dennis Prager is an amazing man, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm going to be very happy to speak to him this week. And we will air the interview on Sunday uh, in a pre-recorded Howie Silberger show. Sunday. What um, he's I know he's an American. Uh, he's a he's a uh, radio talk show host. Uh, where, which, because uh, I'd like to listen to him also. Uh, Danny, he's syndicated. So if you go to his website, uh, PragerU.com, Prager I'm, sure, okay. I'm sure they have the, uh, the the list of all the stations you could hear him on. He's a syndicated okay. talk show host. Uh, I don't carry him on True Talk Radio. Or I tell you to listen on True Talk Radio, but I'm sure you could find where he's uh, where he where he's played uh, based on um, uh, on his website. I'm sure it's listed. Oh, okay, for sure. I'll, okay, I'll I'll take a listen to it for sure. Okay. An- another thing. Have you, have you ever spoken to him, or have you ever interviewed him before? At this, all? Will, this will be my first opportunity to interview uh, Dennis Prager. Prager. Great. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and I have a lot to ask him. I mean, he has he's had a long storied career. Uh, recent, most recently, he has sued. Most recently, he sued YouTube for defunding him. Oh, you're kidding! And so they just went to court. So it'll be interesting to ask him about that and talk about censorship and uh, and how he's been censored on YouTube and uh, and on Facebook and how the leftist uh, media has uh, has tried to has tried to put him out of business. So it'll be it'll be interesting to speak to him. Uh, I'm looking forward to my conversation okay. with Dennis Prager, and I'm looking forward to seeing him speak next Wednesday. It's going to be exciting. I'm I'm really I'm really excited about this. Wonderful! And That's I, great. I, I don't often get excited, Sheldon, about stuff. Uh, no, no, that's that anybody that knows how he, we all know that he doesn't get too excited. But, but this, okay. this actually, this actually excites me. This actually interests me because, uh, I, I think it's going to be a great conversation with him and I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to hearing him speak. It's going to be fun. And uh, he's also going to be in Pasadena on the 29th of September. Oh, so he's, yeah. he's really getting around. Yeah. 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 Uh, the reason we're pre-recording the interview next week, um, 
I, I have something else I have to be at. I can't be here live next week. Uh, but okay. but aside from that, but aside from that, uh, he he he's speaking every night of the week. So so I have to record him late at night. So I'm recording him. I think after nine o'clock at night on Thursday, we're gonna have the conversation. Okay. All right. Uh, That's- and I want to remind everybody listening to please go to diakids.ca and sign the petition. The petition is there, and uh, the reason for the petition is uh, is to try to get the government to pay for this for this this sensory the sensory uh, the sensory machine that could check blood that checks diabetics blood every. How? Four what's minutes. the website again? I'm going to do it right now. Diakids.ca. It's very important to go and sign the petition to get to to encourage the government to to pay for this uh, this this blood measuring machine, which could save a life. I was yeah. so heartbroken when I heard that when I when I heard the mother on. I was absolutely I was besides myself. Like how the government does not want want to invest in that. I mean, this is a human life. I mean, I, I don't understand it myself. And then this this sensor could could determine whether you're going to have a high or a low and the parent could take the precautions that need to be taken in order to in order to adjust the kid's diet or to give the kids some juice or anything else to try to revert it i mean exactly it's, it's, and i'm a diabetic also i'm a type 2 diabetic right so it's almost it's almost a no-brainer that, yeah uh, that absolutely the government you know, should be paying for I this and why the government does not do that we pay for it we pay enough in taxes the government should be paying for this so please go to dia kids .ca and signed the petition. The more signatures, the better. The government's going to look at this, and you know, if there's only if there's only a thousand signatures, they're going to say, ah. But if there's ten thousand or twenty thousand signatures, the government's going to say, hey, well, oh, yeah, they'll, think, they'll think twice about maybe it. Maybe we sure. should start looking at this. So please go to diakids.ca and sign the petition. It takes two seconds of your life, but those two seconds could help save somebody else's. Oh, for sure. And I'm actually doing now as we're talking on the air. Thank you, so. Sheldon. That's amazing. Well, no, thank you because this is we got to get the word out because, you know, one life one life lost is one life too many. Yes, I agree. And we have to we have to get to, we have to get to the bottom of it. And you know what? You you can't put a price on a human life. No, you definitely you can't. can't put a price on a human life, and you ha- you have to. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm just doing this now, and. Uh, now uh, yeah. we we have, we have just marked one year on the Gregorian calendar since since uh, my friend and my former radio show radio show colleague on uh, on the Edward station I, I do a show on Israel News Talk Radio too and my uh, my former Israel News Talk Radio colleague Ari Fold was murdered. Oh my! So that was it's been one year since he was murdered. He was stabbed in the back by a, by an Arab terrorist in Israel. Uh, and you know he tried to he tried to disseminate a message. Uh, the message he was trying to disseminate was that Israel is the uh, in, you know the Jews are the indigenous people of the state of Israel of the land of Israel, and that uh, that Jews shouldn't be killed for for being Jewish. Um, Ari chased. He was he was stabbed in the back, fatally stabbed in the back on September sixteenth, two thousand eighteen, in a heroic gesture. Ari chased after the terrorist after after he got stabbed. He chased after the terrorist. He was bleeding out and dying. He chased after the terrorist and shot him with his last ounce of strength and saved others from being stabbed before he died of his wounds. 
Now, um, Israel News Talk Radio. Normally, I don't I don't promo another radio station on my show here, but Israel News Talk Radio is offering the opportunity to be able to hear his excellent shows. He did he did a show called Bulletproof on Israel News Talk Radio, and uh, they they're offering the opportunity to listen to his his old shows. Oh, and okay. uh, and the best way to do that is to go to israelnewstalkradio.com and there's a link on the front page of israelnewstalkradio.com where you could listen to Ari's uh, Ari's shows. Ari he was a bright man, he was a strong man and uh, he was a hero. He saved lives in his last breath. He saved lives because he took out the terrorist. Well, he didn't kill him, but he he disabled the terrorist who stabbed him and killed him uh, before he had a chance to hurt anybody else. So you know, everybody. Uh, you know, everybody hopes that they uh, that they die old and die in their sleep. But if you're not going to die old and die in your sleep, uh, thank God you could die a hero. I just so uh, it's so horrific when you hear stories like that. It really is. It's just it just breaks your heart that people could be so evil in this world. <sighs> it's it's unbelievable. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number to call. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. If you want to get in on the conversation, I'm Howie Silberger. He is Sheldon Eric Freed. This is the Howie Silberger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. We're heard live every Sunday between eight and nine p.m. Starting after the holidays, we'll be on three nights a week, and um, and I'm looking forward to that too. Uh, three nights a week, where we will share the. Um, well, we will share the the uh, the latest in news and views right here on the Howie Silberger Show. So let me just be clear about the scheduling, Sheldon, so we're all clear. So uh-huh. next next week we're going to have a brand new show. It just won't be live. We're gonna we're gonna pre-record a show. Uh, gotcha. Dennis, Dennis Prager will be my guest, and uh, Sheldon. Hopefully, I'll be able to uh, to record a segment with you for next week's show, and we'll air that show pre-recorded. Okay. The week after that that show, the week after that show, so next week is the 22nd, the week after that show is Rosh Hashanah. Mm-hmm. We won't be on. Nope. At Rosh, Rosh Hashanah, we definitely will not be doing a show. And then, um, and then we move into the Jewish holidays. And like I, like I said, when we, when we announced the, um, the change in schedule, just so I'm clear, so the, so the audience is clear on this, uh, just as we we announced, um, we are going to be off every week of the Jewish holidays. So we're okay. gonna, so uh, the Jewish holidays fall out. Uh, they start on the 29th, and then uh, they run until October 27th. So next time we'll be on after live after this night show after tonight's show. Next week we'll have a pre-recorded show, and then the next live show we will do will be on October 27th. So we're going to take oh. almost the entire month of October off because it's all holidays. All the weekends are holidays. Uh, we're going to take almost the entire month off in October. When we come back on the 27th, we will be back on for three nights a week. Uh, keep keep your eyes on the Facebook page, the Howie Silberger Show Facebook page. Like it and keep your eyes there. We will announce which three nights we'll be on um, and we will take it from there. So Sounds like a plan. Okay. So that's, that's the way it's going to be. Uh, it's the only way we can be. Uh, it, it's much too difficult because uh, the holidays are, are two-day holidays. So start Sunday night, it'll be Monday and Tuesday. So it's very difficult to say, all right, we're going to be on Wednesday and Thursday, then we'll be on Monday, then we'll be on Wednesday and yeah. Thursday. Yeah. It's, you know, juggling it, around the schedule like that over the holidays is going to be impossible. Right. So uh, the best thing to do is for us to stop. This is the last live show before the holidays. 
After that, after the holidays on October 27th, we'll be back live on Sunday night, October 27th, God willing. And then we will do a live show that night. We'll announce the other two nights of the week we'll be on, and we'll start doing uh, three nights a week as of then. So that means we can try to get to bug Howie Silberger more than one night a week. Hey, that that well, is true. That is true. Yeah, I, I don't know if I can do it uh, more than one night, but I'll see. We'll see what how my schedule is going to be. But definitely, I'll definitely be on the one night for sure. Well, Sheldon, you know the uh, the the lines are always open, and the uh, and your your yeah. your mode of connecting is always open. So definitely. Anytime, anytime you want to jump on, you're always you're always welcome. You know that. Thank you, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. I, uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. So, what do you? Uh, so, as far as your the holidays are concerned, are you staying pretty much close to home, or you're going to go to anyone? Uh, I, I will be in Montreal, and I will do uh, what I usually do over the holidays. I'll spend it with my family. Okay, which is, good. Which I think is an important thing to do. Yeah, I'm going to my brother and sister in law's house on the uh, on the second night of Rosh Hashanah, and uh, so that'll that'll be very nice. And they have a big crowd there. They have about twenty twenty or thirty people there. So they have a big crowd for when they when they put something at their place, they really do a great job in it. So, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that as well. That's great. That's great. Yeah. You know, the holidays are a time where you should spend with family, but a lot of people don't have family to spend with. Yeah. And, uh, and those people... one of the loneliest times of the year when it comes to the Jewish holidays for people who don't have families, and that's why places like Mata, who do absolutely excellent work, they have uh, community suppers, and they have, you know, to, to get the Jewish community together as much as they possibly can. Because some people are lonely, are very, very yep. lonely. Yeah, So uh, exactly. if you're one of those people who have nowhere to go, and you're sitting alone, uh, please contact your local synagogue... Contact MADA, contact uh, any Jewish organization, and they will help you find a place to go. Definitely. You should never be alone for the holidays. You should try not never to be alone at all, but especially during the holidays. And, and if you have the opportunity to, uh, and, and we have the resources in this city, to be able to, um, to be able to find places for you to go. All you have to mm-hmm. do is reach out. No, you, know, you know, most people, a lot of people sit at home and say, well, nobody cares about me. But sometimes nobody even knows that you're lonely. Sometimes nobody even knows that you're that you're sitting home by yourself. And and the only way for people to know is for you to tell them. So don't think it's uh, it's it's asking for charity or it's uh, asking for a handout. It's not that. It's not that. It's the holidays, and you really should be with other people. And so um, reach out, reach out, and you'll see the community will embrace you. And they'll find you places to go, and they'll help you, and they'll invite you, and they'll they'll make you part of their lives. And isn't that all we want is to be embraced and to be part of a, part of our own lives, part of everyone else's lives, be part of a community? That's what communities yep. are for. So uh, reach out and be part of the community and let the community help you if you have nowhere to go. It's very important, Sheldon. You know, the holiday times is very depressing for a lot of people. Oh, it's, it's like Hanukkah, Hanukkah, the same thing. You know, any holidays that involves a lot of family togetherness and and then when you're not there, it's very lonely for them. And it's, uh, you know, this is where the most important time of the year, you know, it's not just the giving of money. It's also giving of your time. Yeah, for sure. You know, because time is just as uh, just as important as money. Uh, sometimes it's more important. Yeah. Sometimes it's much more important. Yeah, and that's people have to know that you know there are people. And it's like the same thing when when you it, always help your fellow human being. I mean, you know, you're Jewish, I'm Jewish. You know, there's people that are 
are very, very fortunate, which is, you know, nice and everything. But there's people that are not as fortunate and people that don't have families and people that don't have jobs or people don't have enough food on the table or a place to stay or a place to eat. So I, I encourage everybody from the Jewish community to help your fellow neighbor, help your fellow men. And, and if, you know, if you know people who need a place to go, don't be afraid to, 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 to recommend them to somebody, to, to invite them, invite people. Word of mouth is very important. Word of mouth really gets, you know, gets everything, you know, gets everything started. Yeah. Most powerful tool. It's very true. Yeah, reach out, reach out to people. You'll believe you me, the smile and the gratitude is more, you know, really, really, uh, really finds a place in your heart for something that you do so dear for people. And it's like really, I, like I said at the beginning of the show, you know, we have to be nice people. And I have faith that the people who listen to the show are really nice people. And really generous people and people who reach out and try to help. And so, uh, you know, by reaching out and trying to help, you signed a petition at diakids.ca. Yeah, I've already got my confirmation uh, that I signed it already from the National Assembly, so that's great. Sign the petition. Be the, uh, be the person who, 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 brings the, uh, who brings the number to a, to a, to a point where, where the government says, huh, maybe we should take this seriously. Yeah, and I also put it on my Facebook wall as well for to share. So anybody that's uh, has a Facebook account, a Twitter account, uh, any any uh, social media accounts, put it on, share it, sign it. The government has to get the fact that they have to start paying for these for these sophisticated equipment and paying for the sophisticated medication. We have to. No, nobody should ever have to suffer. I, I, Especially when there's a cure or there's a machine or equipment available to to make a person's life much better, to enhance the quality of life. I uh, I couldn't agree more. I I really couldn't agree more. Sign the petition. Yeah. And uh, and 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 go see Dennis Prager too. I mean, hey, you know, one thing has uh, one thing has really nothing to do with the other, but. Um, while you while you're at it, um, go over to Dennis Prager website. Go over to that website and buy tickets for the Dennis Prager um, Dennis Prager speech, because uh, you're not you're not going to want to miss it. Sheldon Freed, thank you so much for joining me. I do appreciate My it. Pleasure. Always a pleasure, and we'll see you on the 27th of October. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully, I'll speak to you. Hopefully, you'll be on the show, um, the pre-recorded show for next week. We'll yeah, see if we can find just a let me know where I went to record, and I'll be there. We'll see where we can find a time to record. Maybe on uh, maybe on Thursday. If you're okay. around, and, okay, um, and uh, we'll play the show on Sunday night. My my guest will be Dennis Prager, and uh, Sheldon Freed will be on with me too. I hope, uh, God will, uh, yeah. for part of the show at least. And um, and uh, we will see you again in, in what four weeks, five weeks. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So may I take this opportunity to wish everybody very healthy. A very happy new year, easy fast, and may you and your families rejoice and be healthy, be happy, and uh, always remember to that every single day is a precious gift from God for your life. Be kind to one another, be kind to each other, love one another, and everybody should, the world should be at peace once and for all. I, uh, amen. I, how can I, even, I can't even top that, Sheldon. Well, I can't even top that. From all from the heart and soul, my friend. All right, so we will see you again in uh, five weeks. Uh, we'll be back. There'll be a live. There'll be a, there'll be a, a new show next week. It won't be live, but we'll be back in five weeks. 
and we'll see you then. I'm Howie Silberger. He's Sheldon Eric Freed. This is the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network.
This is True Talk Radio, the only place to be.